land of the trembling earth. Most southerners know about the Okefenokee Swamp, the largest blackwater swamp in North America, clocking in at a whopping 438,000 acres. It's a primordial place. A place that feels straight out of those old sci-fi films your grandfather used to show you. Carnivorous plants grow between the cypress trees and water lilies. Bladderwort floats on the glassy water, slowly digesting insects. Spanish moss hangs overhead like a net trying to keep you from leaving. A diverse array of plants so strange to those not used to them that they almost seem prehistoric. You almost expect to see the creature from the Black Lagoon or a dinosaur appear from the otherworldly landscape. A place that can really make you feel small. Some find the swamp to be eerie. To some, it's peaceful. The water is black due to the tannic acid produced by the breakdown of plant life. A beautiful ecosystem comprising thousands of organisms that evolved over many years, miles from any human interference. A rare instance of a place left to grow on its own. The circle of life produces enough food to enrich this environment ensuring the survival of every one of the hundreds of species of plants and animals that populate it. A true wonder of the world. Nestled within the 600 square miles of swampland is the small town of Waycross, Georgia. Here lies the entrance to the Okefenokee Swamp Park. Built in the late 40s, this quaint little park is dedicated to the wildlife of the area. Tour guides explain how hard life was living on the Great Swamp. A place where they still give the same boat tour speech they've been giving for 30 years. There's something comforting about that. You'll learn all about the settlers' moonshine operations and the soap bush. It's a charming place and an important part of South Georgia's history. One of the things it's known for is the fact that alligators are free to roam. They come and go as they please. You get out of your car and there they are. In the parking lot, on the sidewalks, wherever they want to be. Since the park opened in 1946, there has never been an accident or an alligator attack. The reason for this is that alligators don't really care about humans. They aren't the mindless killing machines their reputation makes them out to be. Sure, the occasional kid gets eaten at Disney World, but statistically, only one person per year dies by alligator. Cows kill 20 people a year. Deer kill around 200. Most of the alligator attacks that do happen are humans' fault. Wrong place at the wrong time, too close, that kind of thing. An alligator is an opportunistic eater. They like to lay around and wait for small prey to come to them. They don't like to expel energy chasing something or wrestling with large prey. An average full-grown alligator ranges from about 8 to 11 feet long. 
The biggest ever recorded was almost 20. That's the length of a U-Haul truck. An alligator named Oscar lived at the park from the time it opened to 2007. He was over 13 feet long and weighed over a thousand pounds. His home was right outside the entrance of the visitor center. And all that time, he was never a nuisance. He remained unaggressive until the day he died. His skeleton now rests inside the visitor center, welcoming everyone into the park. In 2003, some researchers tested the bite force of a 12.5 foot American alligator. The specimen lived at the St. Augustine Alligator Farm. They measured it at almost 3,000 pounds per square inch. That's enough to bite through steel. But most animals want to be just left alone and will do the same as long as you're not getting too close. Most. Catch an 11-foot reptile on the wrong day. See what happens. Get caught too close to a nest. Good luck. Unfortunately, hunting alligators is legal in the state of Georgia if you have a permit, but not in the Okefenokee Swamp. But poachers don't care for hunting laws. They kill the animals, cut their tails off, skin them, and dump the bodies back in the swamp. Sometimes they keep the hands and heads of the smaller ones to sell to those seedy gas stations. It's not uncommon to find a headless, tailless body lying on the side of the road somewhere. Bloom and Verrill are two such poachers. They've been coming into the swamp for years. You see, the swamp is so large that it's fairly easy for someone to come and go unseen. In fact, many areas of the swamp don't get seen by humans at all, the way it should be. This place is sacred, untouched by time for thousands of years. This kind of ecosystem was here before mankind, and it will be here after. That should be respected. To those that take advantage, destroy, or make a mockery of, there will be consequences. Nature has a way of protecting itself, setting things right, and it's not always pretty. There's a heavy, thick fog on the water tonight. The music of a million insects and frogs fill the ears of our ill-fated friends, almost like a warning. Both men are in their fifties, Leathered, sun-battered skin from their many years under the relentless Georgia sun. Throw me another beer, Bloom, Beryl says. Bloom chuckles. You better watch out, you gonna get too tore up to haul a catch. He can barely get the sentence out without rocking the boat so much that they almost lose the cooler. God damn it, Bloom, don't lose that beer or you're going in after it. Shh, not so loud now. You want to get caught? Oh, hush, Bloom says in an even louder tone. Ain't no one out here for miles but us. And about 13,000 alligators. Besides, ain't never running anyone out here before. Not gonna happen now. 
the incredible stillness of the water is broken by their old boat. It cuts through the swamp like an intruder. An alligator skull sits affixed to the bow. It's a small boat, just big enough for the two men, a cooler of beer, and all their implements of death. With enough rope and hooks to tie a few bodies to the boat to haul them back to the comfort of solid ground. The two men point flashlights to look for the glimmer of an alligator's eyes peeking above the smooth water. The eyes seem to glow due to an adaptation of a lining in the eye that reflects light. It helps the animals to see in the darkness. Surprisingly to Bloom and Veril, they haven't seen a single alligator so far. Unusual, as alligators are very active at night. Though they can't put their fingers on it and definitely don't dare to speak the feeling aloud, both men feel something is off tonight. There's a strange tingling at the back of their necks. What is usually a good time has become something different, something spooky. Both men have the undeniable feeling that something is watching, judging. They ignore the feeling and keep looking for tonight's big score. It won't be long before they find it. Goddamn bugs are out something fierce tonight, Bloom says as he scans around the bank. Without warning, the boat begins to rock. Something is moving underneath. The force of the movement suggests something big. The men look at each other in shock and immediately start scanning the area. Veril smirks a little. Finally some fun, he says. About 20 feet from the boat, the light catches the tail, back, and head of the biggest reptile they have ever seen. It's so big that it doesn't even register as a living thing at first. Jesus Christ, I thought it was a log, Bloom says under his breath. It must be 20 feet. Bigger, Veril says, with a stupid grin on his face. Bloom looks at the enormous animal in awe and fear. Come on now, let's leave it alone. It's too big. Veril's overconfidence shines. Not for us. Stunned by the size of the animal, they quickly start to work. Rope, hooks, and shotgun at the ready. By the time they look back up, all they see are ripples of water where the creature swam. A look of frustration settles on Veril's face. Relief on Bloom's. Relief found too soon. The boat rocks again, more violently this time. A sound almost like thunder as something makes contact with the boat. Veril grabs the shotgun and fires blindly into the water. Bloom frantically jabs at it with a paddle, connecting with the animal's back only once. The back of an alligator is covered with plates called osteoderms, a built-in armor made of bone. Nature has provided this creature a means of protection, and it doesn't even feel the force of the paddle. The alligator breaches, like a great whale breaching the ocean. Time seems to stop, 
as both men look on in amazement. The magnificence of the creature's size and power strikes a deep, primal fear through their bodies. Its head lunges toward Veril so fast that his instincts take over and he jumps back, falling right over the boat and into the void of the swamp. Silence. Bloom stands in the middle of the boat clutching the paddle, eyes darting back and forth in panic. The silence is broken with a splash and Bloom readies himself to fight for his life. He turns toward the commotion and raises the paddle above his head. A guttural, terrifying scream begins to escape from his mouth when he realizes it's only Veril. He drops the paddle and reaches out to help the man back on the boat when they are hit from below. The boat splinters like a child's toy. Bloom, who was hanging over the side reaching for his friend, instantly falls over. All of their tools sink away into the dark. The alligator skull that was affixed to the front of the boat breaks free and gently sinks to the bottom. Return to the swamp, a trophy no more. Both men are now in the water, seeing the swamp from a whole new perspective. It's like a black hole. Who knows what's on the other side? A mere matter of feet, inches of a difference in occupied space, feels so alien, so dangerous. The men look at each other in desperation. They share a sobering realization of how fragile life truly is. All of the confidence and arrogance has faded away. All that is left is fear. The thing that they have only seen as a payday, a sport, a meal, now changes in their eyes. This is a living thing, capable of thought and feeling, pain and fear, maybe even revenge. Suddenly, Bloom feels a set of jaws close around his leg. He's pulled under. He swallows a few mouthfuls of that South Georgia sweet tea. As he's drowning, he thinks to himself, this is actually a preferable way to go out, considering the alternative. He wouldn't be so lucky. Alligators have blunt teeth made for gripping. The only way to escape from its jaws is if it decides to let you go. The teeth puncture his leg effortlessly. They sail through the flesh like a warm knife through a loaf of bread. The human body seems so fragile in the face of such a creature. Then the animal performs its signature move, the death roll. With its victim firmly in its jaws, it spins in rapid succession. They do this to rip their prey into smaller, more manageable pieces. Easier to swallow. Bloom doesn't know what will kill him first. Being pulled apart or drowning. And without warning, he's free. Oh my god, it let me go, he thinks. He swims to the surface and clutches a cypress stump, reaching down to feel for the damage on a leg that was no longer there. 
Instead, he touches ribbons of freshly torn flesh, a jagged piece of bone. He can feel a wave of warmth flow between his fingers. For once, the blood on his hands is his own. Fish swoop in and nibble on the strings of raw meat dangling in the water like a fishing lure. He's barely able to catch his breath before he notices the moonlight shimmering in two giant marbles about four feet in front of him. By the time he realizes what he's looking at, it's on top of him with the force of a freight train. Grasping either side of his head with its jaws, it pulls him back into the dark water. Feeling immense pressure, he opens his eyes. All he can see is the fleshy palate of the inside of the alligator's mouth. Joseph Bloom has suffered from headaches his entire life. Migraines. The kind that make you sensitive to light. He always said it felt like your head was in a vice. He never thought he'd feel that sensation literally. But somehow, worse. He notices he is no longer seeing into the alligator's mouth. Rather, he is no longer seeing only into the alligator's mouth. He sees the moonlight dancing on the surface of the water, fish frantically darting in and out of sight. His right eye is no longer in his head. The slow intensifying of pressure has caused it to pop right out of its socket. It bobs in the water just outside the jaws, still connected by the optic nerve. His brain doesn't have time to make sense of seeing two images at the same time. Remember the bite force of the 12-foot animal? Well, this one's bigger. Five seconds later, the jaws of the alligator snap completely shut with a thud. Bloom's head explodes in a puff of blood and skull fragments. Fifty-four years of memories and experience held within the human brain now rested in the mouth of an alligator at the bottom of a swamp. Meanwhile, Veril is desperately swimming toward land with one goal in mind, getting out of the water. His foot comes down on a sharp branch, slicing right through his boot and into the hardened flesh of his foot. He's flailing like a madman, like a wild animal, like food. Finally, in a moment that feels like a triumph to him, he touches solid ground. He crawls out of the water onto a large grassy mound in the middle of an area that looks to have been cleared away. It's musty, warm. He takes one step and hears a cracking beneath his foot. He instantly realizes what he's done. This is a nest. It's her nest. The survival rate for a clutch of alligators is 2 to 6%, and he's just contributed to that statistic. For all he knows, it's not the first time he's done so. He's been coming out here for years, casually causing havoc in this beautiful place. He couldn't tell you the number of alligators he's killed out here. 
And for the first time in his poor life, he actually thinks about all the lives he's ended. It has taken his own life being in danger to understand the amount of pain and death that's been brought by his own hands. He hears a sound he's heard before, but this time takes him to his knees. The deep hiss of the female reverberates through his body. The hope drains out of him, and he knows his last moments will soon pass. He turns to see the massive creature pull itself out of the water. A quick lunge, and its jaws are around his torso. A loud cracking quiets the singing crickets. It's the sound of bones. Bones that shatter and become implements of torture, digging their way into the soft flesh surrounding them. The amazing animal shakes her head back and forth, and Veril's belly seems to tear so easily. He falls out of the mouth of the great beast. His guts unwind and separate from his almost lifeless body. One thing a man should never see is his own intestines. They slide out of one gaping hole and into another, collecting in a wet heap of flesh hanging over the sides of the animal's mouth. Still warm. He watches as the animal lifts her head, letting her meal slide down her throat. He sees bits of himself fall from her mouth into the mud. As she turns, her foot comes down on them, bursting them between her toes. Something so important to the human body is cast aside as scraps. She looks down at him, as if she's disappointed. He looks into its eyes, and he thinks he sees something more. The spirit of the swamp itself. This is my fault, he thinks. His vision blurs, starts to go dark as his life fades. The last thing he sees is the alligator slowly walking over to finish its midnight snack. The inhabitants of the swamp work together to hide the evidence. Insects feed on the spilled blood. Fish and turtles nibble on bits of flesh that escaped the great protector of the swamp. Bones picked clean. An eyeball floats gently in the quiet water, peering straight up. If it could still see, it would be witnessing a beautiful red sunrise, filling the sky with color and awakening the sounds of wildlife over all 400,000 acres of swampland. A catfish cautiously swims up to the eye, inspecting it before gulping it down. What's left of the bodies, and there isn't much, decompose into the soil. Even the plants benefit. 
becoming nutrients for an entire ecosystem might be the best thing the poachers ever did. Some kind of form of sadistic redemption. Very soon, a clutch of eggs will begin to hatch. Around 30 or so new lives will look upon the swamp as their home. Not all will survive, but such is life. The ones that do will stay with their mother for the first few years, growing and learning as much as they can before going out on their own to start the cycle all over again. Not far from the nest, the female alligator rests at the bottom of the Okefenokee Swamp, in peace, her belly full. 